I confess. I accidentally donated all of our sex toys and costumes to Goodwill, and they won't give them back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But someone's going to get lucky or unlucky, depending how you look at it. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarleteen.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for listening to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on November 21st, 2013. Bedpost Confessions was honored to have New York City-based erotica writer and editor Rachel Kramer Bustle take the stage to share her story, Talk Mommy to Me. Here is Rachel. I want to be a good boy for my mommy. This sentence is probably commonly spoken by actual little boys, but the man saying it to me was in his 40s, and he was naked. This was our second date. And we were in his bed. It wasn't the first time the M word had been mentioned in our dirty talk. But unlike on the phone, I couldn't just laugh it off and pretend I hadn't heard him. This was real. He wanted me to pretend to be his mommy. His naughty, dirty, flirtatious, sexy mommy. I had the choice of telling him I wasn't into that kind of role playing or going with it. I chose the latter. (laughs) One subset of the catch-all term BDSM, which stands for bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism, and I'm going to use it in a sentence because I fact-checked that right before the show on Urban Dictionary. I just had this moment of like, what if I'm missing something? And their sentence that they used it in was, are you actually into doing BDSM or do you just carry that leather whip for show? So one subset of BDSM is called age play, which the Center for Sexual Pleasure and Health defines as, quote, sexual role playing where one partner pretends to be older and in control while the other pretends to be much younger, end quote. This can mean fantasizing about being siblings, parent and child, teacher and student, etc. I'd heard of it, but in the abstract, it sounded like it probably wasn't my thing. Now, Don't get me wrong, not because I don't like dirty talk. I've engaged in plenty of dirty talk before, including being called a bad girl, slut, and whore, consensually by a dominant partner, and I'd gotten off on those terms. In context, they meant I was bad, but also good for being bad. It's like the kinky version of a backhanded compliment. I'd spanked and been spanked by men and women, but pretending in this way was entirely new to me. It took something I generally enjoy, dirty words, and turned it into something I had to rush through a sexual learning curve to catch up with. The biggest leap leap for me is the same one I have to make when I attempt to read science fiction, which is very rarely, (laughs) entering an entirely new world, in this case, one that's being made up on the spot. If you'd asked me beforehand if I could or would ever want to engage in age play, I'd have said no. 
The idea of calling a man daddy holds no appeal to me. It actually serves to pull me out of the moment and make me extremely uncomfortable. No offense to those who are into it. Um, but for some reason, it's corollary pulled at my heartstrings, endearing me to the big baby before me. As I looked down at this overgrown man sucking tenderly at my breast, I smiled. In that moment, I wanted to be his mommy, a figure worthy of respect, fear, and arousal. I wanted to be tender with him and punish him as need be. No, I didn't want to be his real mother, but his fake one signed me up. I wasn't the kind of wife or mother figure who would clean his apartment or iron his clothes. I don't even know how to iron or cook for him or schedule his doctor's appointments. But I could be the kind who took care of him in this most intimate of ways. What made me want to try it? Firstly, I liked that he felt comfortable enough to share his fantasy with me. I didn't know how often he entrusted that side of his psyche with lovers, but I felt flattered that he would go there with this potentially off-putting information. It's obviously riskier to tell someone you're into, say, mommy-boy play than light bondage. Rather than impulsing me, I was intrigued by his interest and by my reaction. I liked the idea of suddenly having the power to control exactly what would happen between us from then on. I could tell him he was indeed being a good boy for me, or that he wasn't and would need correcting. The roles set easy boundaries between us. By becoming a baby, he was willingly giving up some of his power in order to cede it to me. In the act of present presenting himself to me as a combination of child in word and man in deed, he was the opposite of the macho, selfish guys I dated who wanted everything their way or withheld sharing their deepest selves from me, keeping me at a mental, if not physical, distance. Since one of the things I enjoy most about sex is the sense of connection where nothing is held back, I wanted to feel as close to him as possible. If agreeing to be his mommy would get me there, I was willing to try it. If you're going to bear your deepest fantasies, you can't do it in a half-assed way. And I got the impression he wasn't just emulating the actions of a baby, but a child's vulnerability as well. By telling me he wanted to be a good boy, he handed me the keys to lead both of us into an exploration of what exactly being a good boy was. As he lay on top of me, he sucked on my nipples, something other lovers have done, but again, not like this. He wasn't sucking on them in order to give me pleasure, or even because he was getting into the act, appreciating the texture and my arousal. His tongue never brushed against my nipple to find out if it was hard. He sucked in a fast, loud way, cheeks moving in and out, pursed lips making exaggerating motions. It was fascinating because it felt entirely different. I was responding not so much to the touch of his lips on my skin as the act he was mimicking, breastfeeding. Here was a man <laughs> over six feet tall who probably weighed 200 pounds, yet he seemed to have shrunk as he curled himself up against me. I felt bigger, and he seemed smaller as he nursed. It was hot because he was willing to go there to transform himself, and that made me want to offer up a different side of myself in return. The real kicker for me, though, 
the aspect that's either the most dead honest or the most disturbing or both (laughs) is that playing at being someone's mommy is the closest I've come so far to my most cherished dream. I don't have any children, but I want them. Baby fever hardly begins to describe the way I feel when I see an infant strapped to his mother's chest or a baby curled up in a stroller. I will turn entirely away from whoever I'm talking to and utterly ignore them to indulge myself in the attention of a baby in a restaurant, on the subway, anywhere, really. I'll do baby voices and wave to them and ask them questions and totally geek out. I own up to being a mama wannabe. And my not having kids is something I think about at least once a day. If I could pick up a baby at the supermarket along with my groceries, I would. I have wanted to be a mom since I turned 30, and that was now eight years ago. Uh, And anytime I see a baby or toddler, I'm reminded that something is missing from my life. It's a bittersweet sensation because I light up when I spot them, but that light dims quickly once they're no longer in my sight. Hanging out with my friends or cousins' kids marginally helps satiate my longing for a child, though sometimes it has the opposite effect and makes it all the more profound. So all of that was the backdrop to the moment with the big baby sucking on my nipples. Having someone literally calling me mommy, something even the kids I'm friendliest with don't, was as close as I could get at that moment to being a mom. Let me be clear, my maternal feelings for kids are not ones I consider sexual, but my (laughs) desire to comfort, nurture, and deliver large doses of TLC does play a role in my sex life and relationships. While I'd never officially engaged in age play before, caregiving has been one of the ways I pride myself on providing to lovers. That might mean surprising them with dessert. This is all true, this next part. Sending them a list of the broken links on their website. (laughs) And there were a lot of broken links, I just wanted to say. Giving an intense massage, mailing a package for them, or washing their dishes. Performing those kinds of tasks feels maternal to me on some level. Yes, there are things I would do for a friend or family member, but when I'm doing them for a lover, I feel an added layer of sexual pride. I don't necessarily get off in the physical sense when I'm running errands for someone, but I appreciate being useful, and that appreciation has erotic undertones. And when I'm in the dominant role, I also see myself as a caretaker, albeit in a different way. If I'm slapping or spanking or biting or pinching someone who gets off on me delivering pain, I'm fulfilling a sexual need that they possess. It may not be the same kind of caretaking as feeding someone chicken soup, but it is taking care of someone else. And I can only get into topping a lover when I know that they crave that power play as intensely as one can. To me, it would feel utterly pointless to spank someone, for example, if they weren't into it. So while mommy play was new to me, combining kink and caretaking wasn't. By offering me the role of mommy, my date took my previous experience and brought it to a whole new level of intensity. We spun a fantasy that some of you might also enjoy. (laughs) It's not that dirty, don't worry in which I was sitting in a hotel bathtub, warm and full of bubbles, while he waited to towel me off, then gave me a foot massage. The stories we shared were far from what I think of as depraved. They were gentle, tender, and loving, 
I could see myself soaking in that tub, him washing my hair, massaging my feet, fetching food for me, sleeping at the foot of the bed. If it was unreal, it was as unreal as the future children I can't wait to meet. But still, that's a lot to process on a second date. (laughs) Or even a 70th date. For all my sexual adventures, going to such a deeply psychological headspace was kind of overwhelming. This wasn't the kind of sex that you enjoy, then forget about after it's over. Over the course of that night and the next morning, each of the three times we got it on, we did so as mommy and boy. I wondered if that was the only way he could get off. And once again, getting ahead of myself, which I'm really good at. I wondered whether I could continue our role-playing if we got to the point of being parents ourselves. But I never had to face that question because after our date, our second date, save for one brief check-in email, he didn't contact me. I'm too stubborn and proud to want to beg someone to do that, so I waited to hear from him. And when I didn't, I wondered if perhaps he felt shy or ashamed about what we'd done but I still wasn't quite ready to ask him. Age play isn't something I necessarily plan to seek out in the future, but it taught me about why I get off on being given that kind of power, which is something I've translated into other erotic encounters. It showed me that being maternal can take many forms and reminded me that no matter how old I may be chronologically, sex always has new things to teach me. Thanks. Rachel Kramer Bussell Bussell is a writer, editor, blogger, and event organizer from New Jersey. She's edited over 50 anthologies, including The Big Book of Orgasms, Baby Got Back, Anal Erotica, Twice the Pleasure, Bisexual Women's Erotica, and Best Bondage Erotica 2013. She writes widely about sex, dating, books, and pop culture, and teaches erotic writing workshops at colleges, conferences, and sex toy stores. Follow her at Raquel Lita on Twitter and visit her at rachelkramerbustle.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at miaontop.com, Sadie Smythe of that's what Sadie said.com, and Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at innuendostudios.com and sponsored by Little Shop of O's. For all your sex toy needs, head to littleshopofos.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, I get really horny when I'm hungover. Mm. And I fucking relate to this, because I used to drink and I had a lot of hangovers. Same thing. Anybody else horny when you're hungover? I'll do that. Okay, I I confess, I get really horny when I'm hungover. And when that morning after desire happens on a weekday, I go into the stalls at work and I rub my clit till I come twice. (laughs) You gotta do what you gotta do. You are the one that's hogging that stall? (laughs) Jesus. 
I confess, when visiting Google and seeing they had bidets in the restroom, high-powered and oscillating bidets, I could only dream of a workplace with Wi-Fi and masturbating tools at your disposal. (laughs) Fucking Google. You have to take a test to get in there, so study up.